Attention cross-country fans, the border battle is almost here. On Saturday, September 24th, more than 50 schools from across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, and Manitoba will be traveling to Grand Forks to compete in the border battle. While the races will be scored in a traditional fashion, a running score will be kept throughout the meet to determine which state is the best cross-country state and, as a result, who the border battle champion is going to be. To kick things off for the Prairie Track and Field podcast, we'll be hosting a group run at Cedic Run. We'll have a few different groups heading out from Cedic Run, from the shop, so all paces and distances are welcome. Afterwards, we'll enjoy some donuts and refreshments, and we'll be raffling up one of our steel gray singlets. If you want to join us on the morning of Saturday, September 24th, we will be kicking off our group run at 8.30 a.m. from Cedic Run, located in downtown Grand Forks. Show up. Bring your friends. Bring your family. I don't know. Bring someone that you've never met before. But we're really looking forward to having you there. It's going to be a great time to connect with some different runners in the community and meet some new people that also like to run. So that's Saturday, September 24th, 8.30 a.m. at Cedic Run, located in downtown Grand Forks. A few weeks ago, Cam and I had the opportunity to sit down with Aaron Teshik, a Team Canada and New Balance athlete who is a teammate of ours at NDSU. We interviewed her right after the NACAC Championships in the Bahamas, where she wore the Team Canada uniform and placed fifth in the 1500. She had a tremendous 2022 season. She competed in the steeplechase early and then shifted her focus to the 1500. Erin's had an awesome running career, where she's earned multiple All-American honors at NDSU, to competing at the 2016 Rio Olympics. We have enjoyed cheering for Erin every step along the way, and we think you're going to be a big fan of hers too after listening to this interview. Thank you so much for supporting the Prairie Track and Field podcast. You can always support us by just giving us a like on our social media pages, giving us a nice five-star review on Spotify or Instagram. Um, actually, I don't think you could do that on Instagram. Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. But the big project that we've had underway is our Steel Gray Singlets. For $25, you can get your hands on one of the Steel Gray Singlets. They look super clean. They feel super great and will maybe help you run super fast. I don't know. But they felt good in the workouts where I've worn it. And if you want to support the coverage of track and field and cross country in the great state of North Dakota, head to our Instagram page where you can find the link to fill out the order form. So we appreciate your guys' support so much. But enough about us. Let's dive into the newest episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. And today we are hanging out with an old teammate of ours. Uh, Aaron Teshik is at a phenomenal season. She just competed at the NACAC Championships and took seventh in the 1500. She has been doing all sorts of things this season, going from steeplechase to the 1500 to hopping in all sorts of different events. And it's been a joy to watch. Aaron, we're super excited to have you. So thanks for hopping on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Now, I do have to apologize. Last night, I was at a wedding dance and I lost my voice pretty bad. I like my wife thought I was being dramatic that I couldn't talk that much. But 
uh, if I like lose my voice at some point or my voice cracks, just just know I had a really good time. Oh yeah, I was gonna say that's a sign of a good night. So <laughs> good. This is what you've been training for, Ryan. Come on, you I, gotta you gotta push through. I know, and honestly, I even brought up uh, when we were at because I think all of us were at like Jonah Warwick and uh, Grace Warwick's wedding a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago, and I had yeah. I made the analogy because last night they played like all the really good songs up front and like used up all my energy right away and i was telling my wife and a couple of our friends it was very similar to that wedding because i remember they like just played the really good songs right away i went all out and then faded pretty hard towards the end of the band so they, they went out hard got, got people into it yeah, uh, yeah it was like it's a tough strategy like do you build the whole time or do you like get people on the dance floor and then hope that you can hold on throughout the night I think you just hold on the whole night. Like just you, you start hard, finish hard. It's like, it's like a race. Like yeah. <laughs> every lap counts. Cute. <laughs> to just go hard the whole time. Yeah. That's it, Ryan. That's the, the true wedding dancer. Like, you know, you have a skilled wedding dancer if they can go hard at the beginning. And then as the songs get maybe not as, you know, upbeat, you're still able to find something in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. We have, two left this season so why did i just call it a season um we got two left this year so i've got about uh, six weeks to get my fitness bumped back up and hopefully hold on for sure yeah definitely ryan Ryan, are you gonna taper for these last two weddings or uh what's the training plan that's a really good question uh i don't know look at my strava later you can find out there but yeah Uh, so aaron you just got back from the bahamas just a couple days ago right yeah yeah about a week ago or so yeah okay and just tell us uh a little bit about your experience at NACAX and for those that are listening and don't know what NACAX are I'm gonna butcher the abbreviation but North American Caribbean and Canada or like what's the (laughs) I think it's just like North American Central American so oh there we go yeah 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 I'm pretty sure that's what it stands for but yeah basically like Canada the U.S. and like all the Caribbean kind of um, of countries there. Sorry, that's my dog crying for attention in the background. Um, but yeah, so no, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, uh, first time in the Bahamas, which was awesome. It was beautiful there. It was very hot. Um, yeah. It was like hundred degrees plus every day, so that presented a bit of a challenge. But I feel like I ran the fifteen hundred, so. Um, I feel like that's one of those races that, you know, you can still run well in the heat and stuff. So it was good. Yeah. I, I had a great time. I was like with my race, I was, I was happy how I raced. Um, that being said, I, I felt like I was ready to kind of like pop out a pretty fast time and it can be hard to do in those championship style races. I kind of had a feeling that like a lot of the top runners weren't going to be wanting to go for it right off the gun. Um, so I like kind of ended up leading the first couple laps and, and yeah, like overall it was a solid race, but it was kind of like, man, I feel like in the perfect setup, I could have run pretty fast, but um, yeah, overall it was, it was a good experience. I, I had a good time there. Had to, had to feel pretty special putting on the the Canada kit again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What was, what was that like being able to wear the country colors again? It, it was special because it's, it's been a while for me, you know, I think like, um, you know, I did that in 2015, 2016 for the steeplechase. 
And it's one of those things like, you know, you always think like, oh, next year I'm going to run even better. Like, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it was just years before I had a chance to wear it again. So being able to do that again was definitely super special. Um, I think it was special, like being able to do it in a different event too. Um, that's something like I didn't really predict for myself back in 2015 and 2016, but um, yeah, it was, it was cool. Like it was, it was a different experience, but um yeah, it felt great to kind of be running back at that level again. Mm-hmm. Now, I discredited you in the intro because you took fifth. You didn't take seventh. Um, but oh, yeah. you you, <laughs> me- you mentioned a little bit about how you took the race like out. You were the one that led it. And mm-hmm. I just want to know, Aaron Teshik 2022 versus Aaron Teshik, even just like a few years ago, was that something you would have done? Or do you feel like you've kind of matured into a runner that is confident enough to take a race out and lead it and set the pace. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's been a while since I've been that confident in a race and um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I took that race out thinking I was going to lead wire to wire and win it. <laughs> there was, you know, a uh, 358 girl in the race. So like, yeah, I, I had a feeling I was going to get past at one point, but um, I think even just to have the confidence of being like, yeah, I belong in this race. I don't need to hang back. Like I can be like a player in this race and make something happen. Um, don't think I would have done that last year or the year before. Um, definitely don't think I had that level of confidence. So yeah, it, it felt good. Like, even though the race didn't play out hundred percent my way, just to go into it. And like, I, I felt good. Like I felt good enough to be like, all right, no one's taking the lead. I'll do it. Um, so, so yeah, definitely more confident than I have been in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, what, what went into the decision to do the 15 instead of the steeple? Yeah, I guess like, I don't know if it was like, it was a decision, I guess at some point, but um, as the season kind of progressed, I just found that I was feeling more excited about doing 15s than steeple. Um, I, I think it was just like, I mean, I've been training on my own for a lot of this year and I, I didn't feel like I had like a fire in me to like be jumping over hurdles in practice. Like I was doing it at the beginning of the season. Um, but it also kind of had this, I had this mentality where it felt like for the last couple of years, I've been doing a steeple just because like I should be doing the steeple. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you have made a team an event, especially, you know, I was pretty young when I made that team, it was kind of like you get put into a box where it's like, this is your primary event. Um, and I feel like for a while I was doing it just because I felt like I should, and I wasn't feeling a huge pull to it. Um, so yeah, this, this year I, I just like, yeah, I wasn't like, getting super excited about steeple workouts. I was kind of doing them, but like I was getting excited for like the 1500 type workouts. Yeah. Um, so I, I did one steeple kind of earlier in the season and it was better than my last couple of years have been. Um, my hurdles still weren't great, but I honestly, I just like, I didn't feel that drive of being like, Oh, I want to get back out and do another one. I was just like, yeah. I want to do something else. I want to take a break. I want to like um, kind of just, start fresh a little bit this year. I also feel like going into this season, my main goal, you know, like I said, you know, there's always pressure once you've made a team in one event to like be like, oh yeah, my goal is to make an Olympic team. You know, that was kind of the last couple of years. Um, So going into this year, I was really just like, my goal is just to like feel good and run fast. Um, I just wanted to be fit. I wanted to feel like myself again. 
Um, so I kind of put that as a priority over being like, oh, I want to run a specific time or make a team or something like that. Um, so that was kind of one of the other reasons I kind of just wanted to like work on other races, just getting faster before, you know, I'll see if one day I want to go back to the steeple and do that again. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've talked to a couple of, uh, uh, like athletes who are, you know, early in their college careers, or, I mean, honestly, any point in their career. And there seems to be a kind of a change in a focus, uh, from like, uh, like time specific or results-based like goals to like process type goals. Like, Hey, the, the goal of this race is to, um, stick in it the first half and, and tough it out through the middle and finish strong. Uh, have you kind of adopted that sort of approach this season? You think? I, I would say so. I mean, I think kind of like as you go on the sport, you start to learn that that's kind of one of the best ways to actually succeed is just focusing on that rather than um, kind of the outcome goals. Like that being said, I think like running fast and times are still a goal for sure. Um, yeah. So that didn't go away, but it just kind of shifted to being like, you know, I want to be in these races and not even run a specific time, but just run a time I can be happy with, you know, and mm. run a race, execute it like, um, like I know I can. So yeah, I would say definitely a shift from um, some of the outcome goals. And for me, particularly, like, I think I still had the time goals, um, but less of a shift from just being like, oh, I want to make a team. Because I think, you know, with especially the long Olympic year, it was like, a lot of people got a little burnt out on just yeah. having that like yeah. looming goal of like making right. an Olympic team where it's like, you know, that is a huge goal and it's great. And I've, you know, I've done it before, but there's also like a lot of other wonderful things you can do in this sport, even if you don't make an Olympic team. So, um, yeah, I think it was just a little bit of a shift from kind of being preoccupied with that specific goal. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I was watching like a little bit of Commonwealth games, a little bit of European championships and stuff like that. I, I suppose you, you would have the opportunity to go to Commonwealth games, but at least for like the American runners, I wish that there were more, like, I wish that NACAX was more of a big deal or like stuff like that, because I think, yeah, it's, it's really, really easy to get so focused on just the worlds or just, I mean, I, I guess I don't actually know. I'm not that good of an athlete to like care, but <laughs> I feel like you, you hear that a lot from professionals. Like I got so focused on making the Olympics that, you know, I lost sight of, you know, everything else around me. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wish, I wish there was more opportunity in track and field for like championship style uh, races and events that you could set as goals to like qualify for that weren't so such like a, like a four year or in this case, like a five yeah. year build to try and try and make the team. But yeah, for yeah. sure. I feel like people like, and it's because like the outside world doesn't follow track and field until the yeah. Olympics. So it's right, like right. the Olympics, you know, you meet yeah. someone who's not a runner, you tell them, yeah, like I, I train for a track. They're like, Oh, are you going to the Olympics? Like it's yeah. like the only yeah. thing people know in the sport. And it is really cool. You know, like it's, it's a great goal. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I think there should be more hype around these things like Commonwealth Games and all of that stuff. I mean, honestly, Europeans does a great job of, yeah. of making that a big event and lots of people are out to watch. Um, yeah, it's too bad. You know, it's funny kind of comparing like the crowds of Europeans and NACAX is very yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, yeah. I think people like it's starting to shift where like 
you know, in North America, we're having more opportunities to have good races that people are like getting excited about and coming out because yeah, I can honestly say like the Olympics was a great experience, but I've had so many other wonderful experiences in this sport that, um, that you can have, even if you don't go to the Olympics, like there's a lot of other cool races out there. Um, so yeah, there's, but you're right. I think it'd be nice if people kind of hype those up a little bit more too. Mm -hmm. And I hope, to your point, Cam, I hope NACACs are growing because yeah, I'm not super familiar with the Canadian contingent that went, but at least the Americans, there was a lot of really, like Evan Jagger was there. I don't think yeah. normally he would go to something like that or Heather McLean, even in, in your race and uh, yeah. a few other studs that ended up down there. Right. I do. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here and ask you a question, Aaron. So mm-hmm. as, as far as great experiences go, uh, obviously being at the Olympics, that's hard to beat, but you just mentioned there's been a lot of great experiences. What would be excluding the Olympics? What are your top three races like ever as far as atmosphere and feeling like, okay, track and field is a well-respected sport? Yeah, for sure. No, that's a, that's a good question. Cause yeah, different things come to mind. I mean, in 2016, I, I ran in like the London diamond league steeplechase. And I mean, that was super cool. Um, I remember like, well, Mo Farah was running and everyone in London was there to see Mo Farah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had like literally like fire cannons on the track, like awesome. <laughs> going off when he crossed the finish line. I'm like, that's, that was pretty cool. You know, people were getting hyped up for that, which was awesome. Um, so that was a big one. But honestly, like a lot of the like races that I have done in like Europe, you know, I don't know if there's like one specifically that stands out. But people go to watch, like, even if it's not like a massive meet, it's like kind of like a mediocre meet, but like everyone's there and like having drinks and having a great time. Like, um, yeah, I I think it'd be cool if there were more races in North America that were like that. Um, But yeah, I, I guess that I would say that was, I'm trying to think what are some of the other favorite races I've done. I mean, Pan Am Games when I did in 2015 and which was in Toronto was cool because it was kind of home home based but um yeah and like obviously the world champs and Beijing was a great crowd and things like that too so but yeah I think also like you know when I said like there's lots of other like great experiences you can have in this sport like I think even just you know like being able to travel to Europe and like do races and train and altitude training and things like that or um yeah all all great things you know you don't have to make the olympics to to do those things yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think i i mean i loved racing but that's like the training and like going cool places to train uh Mm -hmm. is something i probably envy the most about uh professionals uh especially when you see you know the the pictures from switzerland you're like uh dang that guy just gets there just gets to run in the mountains of switzerland that was pretty dope <laughs> just look, you know? look a flight cam yeah yeah I, should. <laughs> I, I was i was looking at uh flights to iceland uh the other day and oh, yeah. actually not that expensive iceland so, is, is a good is a good place to go for sure they have decent decent flights there yeah i mean you can fly you can fly straight from minneapolis to iceland like nonstop. so um I don't know. Maybe that's the next place. Podcasting. <laughs> maybe that's the next lot training spot. So Aaron, you had talked a little bit about like the process goals and not becoming like hyper fixated on just one event. And 
I just want to know, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening maybe aren't familiar with the schedule of a pro athlete, but I mean, how have you found the balance in between track and uh, what you can do the rest of your time, I guess, because you can only spend so much time training and, and I guess that was a terrible way to articulate the question, but maybe to sum it up, what is a day in the life of Aaron Teshik like? Yeah, it's uh, definitely evolved throughout my time as a pro runner. I I did the couple of years of in a pro group where I was running, not doing much else. So, um, and I I think I I like that in a lot of ways, but um, I don't think it's something that's like super sustainable. I think you need to at least have something something else going on to be working towards outside of running. Um, but yeah, like right now day in the life for me has pretty much been, I usually get up, do my runner workout in the morning, um, go to work. Um, I usually kind of work in the afternoons, come back, run again, eat and go to bed, walk my dog a couple times <laughs> somewhere in that mix. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not super exciting, but it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of a typical, typical day and then if I have a chance where I'm not working like you know I'll often like try to drive out somewhere different to run and things like that take my time doing that kind of stuff but yeah that's that's pretty much a typical day for me now and um I'm starting grad school in September in like a week actually so um routine will probably change up a little bit then um but I I actually I I enjoyed my time as like a student athlete in undergrad so hopefully I will again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about that. Like so many college athletes end up, you know, either making Olympic teams or world teams or, you know, like doing very well at their national championships and, and being a college athlete is, is a lot. Uh, so to go from that to, to like the, just the pro runner lifestyle is, is actually probably a, like a bigger change and a bigger shock than, I mean, people would expect. And so I, I don't know, like some people, yeah, like you were saying, some people just, they need that, that outlet, the, the mental release or, or whatever it is, something to take their mind off of, uh, like Mason Furlick, I think had talked about that. Uh, I don't know where I saw that, but you know, it was really important for him. He really thrived off of like the schedule and the structure of having school or work and then breaking that up with, with running. And that way, like running could be his like stress relief instead of like the only source of his stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's different for different people, you know, like what level of busyness works best for them. I remember like when I was um, finishing my undergrad, uh, all I wanted to do was run. <laughs> I was one of those yeah. people like. Yeah. Like, I was like, so happy to be joining a group. I'm like, this is great. Like, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to work. Like, all I'm going to do is run. And that is all I wanted. Um, And it took me a little while to kind of like see the downsides of that. Um, And I think it's particularly like, it's great when you're running well, because, you know, it consumes your whole life. But then, you know, if you aren't running well, or, you know, other things are going on in your life, like it it can be tough. And, you know, like you just mentioned, it can be make running become a point of stress, I think. Um, so it can, I feel like you have to have, you know, even if it's just like a couple days a week, part-time job or, you know, some other like project you're working on that you care about. I think 
that's kind of the main thing is to have something else in your life that you care about. So it's not like, you know, if you get injured, if running isn't going great, like it's not like your whole life is crashing in front of you. Mm -hmm, Right. Right. Yeah. Where where are you working right now? I'm working at a local running store in Kingston. Um, Yeah. I guess I just finished the other day. It was my last day, but um, that's kind of what I've been doing this past year. And I I was coaching as well this past year. Nice. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of give the listeners a roadmap of what your career has kind of looked like, and we can take a short stop at each one, but I'm sure people are wondering why the heck we have a Canadian on a North Dakota centered podcast, like how, where you fit into the picture, but you spent, did you take a redshirt year? Were you at NDSU for five years? Four years only. Yeah. I went only four. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're at NDSU for four years. Uh, you had a really great career uh, running for coach Andrew Carlson you were a multiple time All-American and it was like the steeplechase that found your niche. And maybe just tell us a little bit about, uh, because out of college, you ended up going to Furman Elite in North Carolina. And just tell us a little bit about deciding on where you wanted to go. Did you have multiple options out of college? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Honestly, it I felt like it kind of just happened really fast. Like I, I was like not super aware of what the process was like. And honestly, I was really lucky. I had Andrew who like has done the pro running thing before. So he helped guide me through it a little bit. Um, But yeah, like ending my career, I remember like NCA's um, my final year didn't, it wasn't bad. I think I was fifth in the steeple or something, but anyways, didn't go the way I wanted pretty much um so a pretty historic steeplechase though it it was yeah it was it was when uh Courtney Frerix broke the NCA record I yeah. believe in that race yeah. um yeah so I I just I just remember you know like everyone dreams you know of an NCA champion you know like finishing yeah. the season like that or top two top three you know um oh I wasn't fifth I remember I fell I was seventh I fell in the last barrier I'm lying to you guys saying, I'm, I was like, okay. as I was saying, I was like, why was I, that doesn't seem that bad, but <laughs> right. yeah. Aaron Loki, you're still lying to us. Tifer says you took eighth. So no, I was, or what, what makes you all American? I was the last in for all American. Eight. That was eight. Right. Oh, okay. That was, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was top seven. It was all American. I actually blocked that from my memory. So. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I, Sorry. It was actually you. like, no. It was a heartbreaking race. I yeah. I was um I remember I was like running neck and neck with uh Ellie Purrier and um I I fell on the last barrier and got passed by a pack of people. So yeah, it still stings a little. <laughs> still stings. Yeah. But um anyway, so I remember it was kind of just like, oh man, like I really wanted that to go better, you know, to like kind of open up some opportunities and stuff. Um and I didn't really know what I was gonna do. But I like uh, I signed with Total Sports and and they kind of helped me negotiate a deal. And I, I did have some options, but it also felt like the firm elite option was just the obvious one. Like it would is the choice was just it seemed the most obvious because, you know, they had Robert Gary there, who was like a two time steeplechase Olympian, you know, um, Steph Garcia was there. Rachel Johnson was going as well. So they had like a huge group of great steeplers. So I was like, yeah, you know, if I can, I can get an ASUS contract and go train with this group. Like, obviously that's, that's the choice. Um, so yeah, I went there, I was at Firm Elite for two years. Um, 
and then ended up leaving there in 2018 to move to Victoria. Uh, like throughout, especially like kind of the end of my time at Furman Elite, I was having like all the health issues. I was kind of, I think, you know, dealing with some over fatigue, overtraining syndrome. Um, I had some athletic induced asthma that I think was being um, made worse because I was over fatigued. It was just yeah, like, yeah. it was one of those things where it was like a lot going on and hard to get to the bottom of what actually was, was going on. Um, so I ended up moving to Victoria, which where they have the, um, athletics Canada West hub base there. Um, so they had like, you know, doctors, sports, psych, dietitians, um, you know, like any treatment I could have needed. So it seemed like I was like, yeah, this is definitely the right move right now. Just try to prioritize my health and everything. Um, the coach there, I knew Heather Henniger cause she had been on, um, she was like the national coach for the Olympic team and things like that. I'd been on a couple trips with her and I really liked her really liked a lot of the athletes there. So I moved to Victoria. I stayed in Victoria for three years. So until last year, um, and yeah, had, had like a great experience there. I think it took some time for me to kind of like, you know, get healthy again, get back into it, kind of find my like joy in running again. So Victoria was the perfect place for me to do that. And um, yeah, that basically leads us to here. <laughs> what did, uh, so then like going forward where obviously you're starting grad school here in, in a week, uh, what's the next race, next kind of plan? Yeah, so I'm running the Canadian 5K champs. Um, it's the 5K road champs. So Sweet. that is on September 11th. And um, that will probably be my last race of the season since it's, it's been a while now. So I'll probably take a little, little downtime after that. So how has it been working with coach Carlson uh, again, because you've made some different stops and I actually, I found out you were working with Carlson because you had posted something on Insta a while back after a race and talked about conferencing with him or going over the race. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I shot him a text. I just said, are you coaching ET again? He said, yeah, I'll read the text. I don't, it's not, anything that I can't divulge said yeah since last fall emails on a Sunday is my role she's been putting in the work and I just said that's great and then I said you should give me a call and then he never called me back um, <laughs> but, um and then and then I'm looking down at my voice at the text and I said did you get my voicemail from a few weeks ago I sent that on June 16th I haven't heard from him since but um just what has that been like to work with him again? Because obviously you had so much success a few years back and it's really carried again into this season. Yeah, it's it's been really great. Um, yeah, when I like was moving from Victoria, I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do. And like, so in Kingston, like there's, there's a couple of coaches in the area who are really great coaches and stuff. But I was just like, you know, I want to, I like, I've been doing this a long time now. And I know like, there's no secret formula in coaching that makes someone like a magic coach or anything like that. But I knew I wanted to work with someone who a, like I trusted and I knew trusted me um, who knew me really well um, and who was going to be excited about it. Who was going to like, I knew believed in me, who was going to be like pumped about this. 
Um, and I was like, well, that's obviously Andrew. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, part of the reason is because I had like success with him in the past, but I, I just knew we worked together well as a team. Um, and you know, I didn't know how it was going to be doing like remote coaching and stuff. Um, cause I've never had that before. Uh, so I, I wasn't sure if that was going to be like a challenge or anything, but honestly it's, it's been great. Um, I think we understand each other well and we communicate well with each other. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Aaron, when are you, when are you running a marathon? Uh, I'm sure that, yeah, that's like your total, like your favorite question. When are you running in the Olympics and when are you running, and a, marathon? When are you running a marathon? Yeah. Uh, you know, as I get older, I start to see the desire of running a marathon. Like I, I can tell I'm like maturing now. Cause I yeah. used to say never. Um, but this is what I've always said and I will stand by it. I'm not going to run a marathon unless I think I can run really well in it because like, you know, like I know a lot of athletes who are like, you know, track focused or like, Oh, you know, one day I would want to run a marathon just for yeah. fun. I don't want to run a marathon for fun. I will run a marathon if I'm at a point in my career where I'm like, okay, I think I could run like under 240. I think that's yeah. kind of like the threshold. Like if I don't think I can run that, I'm not going to put the work into training for it. So, yeah. um, that's, that's what I think. <laughs> so who knows maybe uh, one day but yeah um yeah no time anytime soon no we i i still i still want to see you see what you got on the track so i i we've had that conversation before about and i think anybody who runs like mid-distance like or the mile even up to the 10k uh we get so annoyed you talk to somebody say oh you run so you yeah. do how many marathons have you done none because i run the mile I, I run the mile like it's not the yeah, same like only a mile they're like wow you suck yeah <laughs> wait but didn't you run like 13 miles last weekend and you're only running the mile what are you <laughs> yeah doing? that's another difficult just, concept for people just how it works oh, so you run the half marathon i'm like no <laughs> no no no, no it's still the mile yeah 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 uh, maybe one day but i i think i i'm not I'm not, don't feel old enough yet that I've lost my speed. So I'm going to hold on to it as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. You should definitely do that because it goes quick. <laughs> it goes quick. Speaking from experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I, uh, so I, I ran, I ran grandma's this, uh, this last summer. Oh so, yeah. Uh, but it would, it was like two weeks or three weeks before uh, we put on like a mile up in grand forks. And so I was like, I, I was entered in it to like pace, pace it. Mm. Oh man. It was so bad. I, <laughs> I probably hadn't been on the track and run like a 200 in under like 35 seconds in, I don't know, six months, maybe. Yeah, and I was yeah. out there trying to run. I don't even remember what pace we were trying to go for Ryan, but yeah, it was bad. Mm. I ran like 440. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. You forgot you forgot an important detail about the marathon too, about how you got torched by John Curley. Oh yeah. John <laughs> Curley dropped me. Yeah. Wow. That's his yeah. hometown though. Um, you know, like home soil. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, I'm coming back for vengeance though. I'll yeah. I'll get him again eventually. So uh okay, so Aaron, you're sponsored by New Balance. Mm-hmm. So I have some new balance questions for you. Cool. Uh, I want you to name me your top three, any sport, 
New Balance athletes? Oh, well, they're all going to be in red. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But, okay. Sydney McLaughlin. I mean, that's an obvious. Obviously. One, but mm-hmm. like, how many, how many texts do you guys send back and forth? All week? the time. We're okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about hurdle form all the time. She's always <laughs> asking me for tips. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, hmm. So after that, I mean, Feel free to put yourself in the list too. Like, no shame in, in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably like Trayvon and Emma yeah. Coburn, I would say yeah. like, you know, yeah, I, I think it's like, I'm going to stick to all track. I don't even know any new balance. Actually, Jack Harlow, does that count? Yeah, oh, sure. No way. Yeah, count it. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an athlete, right? He's a vocal, <laughs> vocal athlete. Vocal right? athlete, yeah. Yeah, that's my one track athlete. <laughs> so as far as working with new balance, because that's been, you've been sponsored by them for a pretty good chunk of time now, right? um yeah two years this is my second year with them yeah Yeah. and so like just getting to work with them and I don't know sometimes you see like on Instagram there's like the you might find like a New Balance Australia account or New Balance Canada um do you like what does that partnership look like um do you work with them pretty close is there somebody in your you're in like frequent communication with or how does that work as a sponsored athlete Yeah. So it's basically like New Balance US um, is kind of technically in charge of US and Canada. Uh, So most of the like a lot of the people I work with are in the US, um, but they also have like um, in Mississauga, which is like right outside of Toronto, actually, um, they have like a New Balance Canada office. Um, So, yeah. So I've met the people from there quite a few times, was there for like a photo shoot uh, in the spring. I believe so um so yeah that's been fun actually like being able to go and see the office there and stuff and actually work with some of the Canadian employees so and yeah like working at a running store actually I've met people you know like the reps and stuff are coming in and stuff so it's yeah it's been great just being part of that community and everything I love New Balance I love the gear and all the people are really cool and nice so it's been yeah it's been good what's your favorite trainer right now I'm I'm always like I'm 1080s for our, my easy runs. That's like nice. my go-to. It has been like, even before I ran for New Balance, I wore the 1080s. I think yeah. it's like by far the best, you know, just everyday running shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I wear the RC Elites uh, for for basically all of my workouts. Um, That's like their plated like marathon like yeah. road shoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wear them. I even wear them like if I'm on the track, like doing 200s, I'll, I'll yeah. wear them. And they're good for that. Basically, if I'm not wearing spikes, I'm almost always wearing those. So yeah, from from like your perspective, how has the like the super shoe, super spike like game like changed as somebody who's like constantly, I mean, working in a running store and like using the products a lot, you know, all the time. Um, how have you seen it like change and evolve over the last like three years? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, like, it's just, it's the go-to now. Everyone, everyone has the carbon plates. It almost feels like you're like being left behind if you don't. So, um, yeah, it's definitely like completely changed what running is like for me. I mean, I think there's like, like, obviously I think there's some performance benefits. I think Mm -hmm. there's like, 
some mental benefits as well like it all plays in with each other honestly i find the biggest benefit from them is honestly the recovery like um i think compared to like i can't even imagine now going and like doing all my workouts in like a flat flat and like flat spikes like i don't know how my calves survived those years (laughs) like (laughs) i find there's like a huge benefit in terms of recovery like being able to like put spikes on do a bunch of volume on the track and like feel fine the next day, bounce back quicker. Um, or even just, you know, like longer road sessions, I find I recover better, um, when I wear my RCs. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's like a really big benefit that people are just able to train a little bit more, a little bit harder now and recover from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely changed the running game a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, it, I mean, it definitely went from the roads first and they really got like those, like the alpha flies, vapor flies, the RC elites, the Saucony endorphin pros, like the, the road shoes got it figured out. And I feel like we're still like, we're still kind of waiting for that, like technology and those principles to transfer across all brands to like track and to like spikes. I know new balance has one, uh, obviously the, the dragon flies have been, you know, the the hot shoe and it seems like adidas has finally got something out but yeah um, yeah it seems like slowly now like now most brands are having like something for for the track as well but yeah i guess for a while it was like new balance and nike were kind of the ones who had the carbon plated shoe out first so um but yeah i think you know within the next year it's just gonna be for everything i know even like people are like trying to get carbon plated spikes for like cross country now like I know, yeah. working at a running store like it's like kids coming in they want oh, like yeah. like carbon plated shoes for cross country and it's like you're running on grass like yeah. I, don't even, I don't know maybe I'm missing something here but I think everyone's just like has this in their mind that they can't run in anything other than carbon plated right. shoes right now yeah. <laughs> like I don't think that's gonna help you on the grass man <laughs> like just imagine like whatever. you know imagine trying to run up like a muddy slippery hill in cross country yeah you get to the top and you just say ah oh, man if i had just had the carbon plated spike i would have you know like, <laughs> quit, up, just quit like lying to yourself that, that must be what effort <laughs> that must be what i was missing when i ran cross country in high school like if yeah, i would have just been 10 years later and had the carbon plated shoe had yeah. to be. And we'd be yeah, you could have been a distance runner too bad Deep down at heart. (laughs) So Aaron, what was the last time you ran a 5k? If you're racing the Canadian 5k championships, has it been a while or am I? I did actually. Yeah. Like it's, it's been a while since I've really like race, raced a 5k. I did one actually this summer. Um, It was kind of just a local one that I just jumped in as kind of like a harder, you know, harder effort and stuff. Um, And yeah, it was, it was good. It was like, yeah, it was actually super fun. It was just like on an Island outside of Kingston and I ran the whole race by myself. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super solid. It also was like actually really hilly. Like I wasn't really expecting, like someone told me there was like a hill at like 2k or something. And I was kind of like, you know, like race hills are different than like hill hills. Right. You know, like anytime there's an incline in a race, people are like, Oh, that's a hill. So that's what I was expecting. And man, it was like a 600 meter hill. Like it was, <laughs> uh, so that was like, but honestly it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a good experience. I feel like I hadn't like felt that like 
done a longer race like that um so it was great for like building strength and stuff like that i ran like 16 20 something i think so yeah it was like for what it was it was good um it was enough to be like okay like you know i'm got some fitness there like i think on a flat course i can run a decent amount faster um so yeah that that was the last 5k i did before that i think it, it was I don't know. I can't remember when the last time I ran one before that, but Summit uh, League. Oh, it no. wouldn't have been that far back. It? No, I've definitely run some. Okay. Like, <laughs> in the, like, I feel like I usually do like one every year or two for sure. I, like a road. Yeah, like, usually mix it up in like a road. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I've done some sort of 5K yeah. every year since since graduating. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. It'll, it'll be good. And then right now in Kingston, like what do your facilities look like? Cause I suppose according to the farmer's almanac, we're supposed to have just an atrocious winter. So as far as, Oh man, that's not a good look that you gave right now. Um, if only the, if only the listeners could see it. Well, Another you- atrocious winter. I feel like last winter it was like, Oh, it was a tough one. Yeah. So what do you have for facilities up there? Do you have access to an indoor track? I, I do. So actually, I mean, this year was kind of, it was, it was a bit of a shit show, honestly, because um, in Ontario, we went into lockdown again um, this oh, winter, yeah. this past winter. So everything was closed for, I think, most of December and January. Um, I was lucky that because I, so there's one indoor track in Kingston um, and it's at the Royal Military College. So it's like a military owned track. Um, so when everything was shut down during COVID, no one could like, people who weren't in the military weren't allowed to go onto the track. No one could get access. Um, but so you because, enlisted, right? So I enlisted. <laughs> well, I, I'm because I coached, I would coach the Royal Military College running team this year. So because I was a coach, um, I was able to use it. So I, I was super lucky. Um, we did, however, for two months. Well, the first month, actually, for a while, I couldn't, no one was on it at all. So for about a month I it was like minus okay I'm trying to think because I've been in Celsius for a while but like we're <laughs> talking like like below zero temperatures in Fahrenheit yeah and all the gyms were closed because we were in lockdown so there was no no gyms no track like I and it was like freezing freezing cold so I got a treadmill off of Facebook marketplace and put it in my garage yes. and and just did like all of my workouts on that but like it was an old treadmill and like I think the power supply I don't know if it was the power or the treadmill but like when I was running at higher speeds it would just shut down randomly so I'd be like trying to do these workouts and this was like for a month because there was no other option I'd be doing like a tempo run at like 5 30 pace and every like couple minutes it would shut down like and I'd have to like jump off <laughs> unplug it plug it back in turn it on again get going. So I started, like, I remember one day I was getting so annoyed. It was turning off like every 30 seconds. So I just put it on max speed, which was like five minute mile pace. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to run till it shuts off. Like I'll get off, get back on, run till it shuts off. Like, I was like <laughs> Whatever intervals, it was just random intervals, like whatever the treadmill allowed me to yeah. do. So like, it was, it was pretty tough. And then they let me go on to the indoor track after a while of that and um but they you had to wear a mask when you trained in there it was like oh. military rules 
So I was trying to do like 400 meter repeats on an indoor track with a mask on. Mm. <laughs> it oh, was like, man. so yeah, honestly, like this year, and it was like a cold winter. So like this year, training through indoor season was super tough. Um, yeah, I didn't do much indoor races just because like it was, yeah, I was just like, I, I haven't even done a workout without a mask on. Um, it was, it was definitely challenging. Um, hopefully that's not an issue this year and I can get more of like regular training. And, um, yeah, in, in Toronto, I'm, I'm going to be at York university and they have an indoor track there and everything like that. So, so hopefully it should be fine this year. I'm not going to have to go through that, that drama again. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That struck bro. That yeah. sounds rough. I, I would have just kicked the treadmill and given up probably. <laughs> Build, build some resilience for sure. and, that's, yeah. and that's why you're not a professional runner exactly. <laughs> that that's that's the only reason right right yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly doesn't have anything to do with my lack of you know enough talent or you know <laughs> anything like that oh uh, aaron okay i think this is this is probably the question that everybody wants to know the answer to what's your beef with birds oh my god I don't know. I, I don't remember if I was scared and then had some traumatizing experiences. I think it was that I was already a little fearful of them. And then I had some bad experiences as a child being attacked. One was from a Robin that made a nest in my garage. Oh my. I remember I like opened the door and it swooped down at me. And that was, yeah, just not, I'm not into them. They freak me out. Don't like to be near them. Okay. I was, I was going to try to like ask this story because I vaguely remember it, but that there was no way to segue to it, but damn, you did it. There there was a run. You guys, you guys were on a run, right? (laughs) There was a run you were on and you ran into, was it Turkey? Turkey. Turkey. Tell the Turkey story. This this is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) I was running with, uh, it was me, Cam and Andrew going for a run. And we were on some of the trails. It's like almost like more of like a single track trail that's over by like Lindenwood Park. And I remember we were like, it was single track. So we were all in the line and I was in the front. And then like all of a sudden I just see like in the middle of the trail, this giant turkey just like staring us down. So I come to a dead stop and they're all like, what the you know like, <laughs> what's happening here and I like turn I was like it's a turkey and I, like turn ran I'm pretty sure like Cam like screamed like a little girl I did <laughs> I did that's true but this turkey like it was literally like it's just standing there looking at us and all of a sudden it just like stuck his head forward and sprinted towards <laughs> us like it was going like I didn't know turkeys were that fast but so it was like coming for us I'm pretty sure like at some point like Andrew pushed Cam into a bush. <laughs> I think it, I think it was the other way around. I think you I didn't him. I didn't react fast enough, and so when he tried to turn around to get out of the way, he ran right into me, and so I just shoved him off the trail <laughs> as I'm like screaming like a little girl. I just know, like I think I ran the fastest hundred meters of my life to get away. Yeah, I like I was terrified, but this turkey, and I think we went separate directions, and it. It probably it sensed my fear because it chased me like it came after me. I would yeah. be chased by a turkey. So yeah. Yeah, that did not help. With I remember fear. I remember in like the hysteria after that event, Andrew said something like, how the heck did we run into the Usain Bolt of turkeys? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so it fast. Was so fast. 
<laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if all turkeys are like that or if it was just that turkey. But like, yeah, he was he was on something. The the runs that we went on together, Aaron, when we we're at NDSU, you've had more like negative interactions with wildlife during <laughs> runs than maybe any other person I know. Do you Says remember because there's not a lot of animals in Fargo. <laughs> not not a ton. We're not no. working with wild animals. Yeah. Here. Do you remember? You remember when we were running at uh, uh, Buffalo River State Park and uh, the bugs, the, bugs, the yeah. flies. <laughs> <laughs> you should tell. Do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Okay. You're going tell- for a run, and like, I think it was also just like one of those days, like you know, when you're just tired. Like yep. you're just like, I was tired and it was like, just like bugs kept flying into my face. And I was like, are you guys getting these? No one else was getting bugs. Like, I think they just fly like right at like five feet, four inches from the ground. So they were like <laughs> hitting me right in the face. <laughs> and I just like, I, I just remember, well, I think like Andrew still brings up that story today. Cause I was just like, I'm so tired of these fucking bugs in my face <laughs> like <laughs> like freaked out <laughs> yeah but yeah, and we were all, i mean <laughs> yeah i mean me and me and andrew i think evan kotzik was there too and we were just yeah. like dying laughing because we we're like what bugs like there's literally not a single bug would fly into our face and you just yeah i was having a day it was one of those things yeah. it was like of course i'm so tired of these bugs flying <laughs> 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 in my face did you yeah. ever you ever have bad run-ins with cows when you were here in Fargo? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Me and Maddie were chased by cows once. Yeah. In the, you know, like you know the loop where you kind of go crop lots over to Pepsi. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So we were doing that, you know, the the usual bacon loop, you know how yep. it is. Yep. And um, and yeah, like a herd of cows chased me and Maddie. We had to like climb through a barbed wire fence so that they wouldn't get to us <laughs> but they were coming fast too and apparently yeah. i mean i don't know much about cows but apparently they can kill people yeah like- cow like in england cows are like the one animal or they're like the most debt they're the deadliest animal in england they're mm-hmm. responsible for the most deaths out of any other animal in all wow. of like england so yeah faster than you think they are yeah you don't want to mess with those cows. Nope. No way. <laughs> are the are the animals nicer up in Canada? I guess so. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really had many run-ins. So how how does it go? You're you're on a trail. You see a beaver, and the beaver says, "Hey, bud, how's it going, eh?" And then yeah, you just yeah, keep goes. going. Yeah. So, okay. A friendly oh, moose here and there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, with that, I think we're wrapping up the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Aaron, I do have one last question for you. So we usually ask this question. I feel like we haven't had anybody on in a while that we've asked this to. But, you know, cross-country season just started with our high school athletes and our college athletes are going to be starting here in less than a week from today. You obviously had... Uh, a lot of success in your progressions from high school to college and now to the professional ranks. Just what advice would you give to runners that are listening to this podcast and think, God, being a pro runner would be so cool. And I'd love to do that. Or really just anybody training for the high school and college seasons. Do you have any advice for them? 
Yeah, I guess I would just say, you know, find a way to enjoy the hard work because like it is hard running is track and field is it's a hard sport. And um, I think, you know, you got to find like find something you really love about it um, and just like enjoy working hard, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think that's kind of really the key to success in track and field. So um, yeah, I think just like make sure, you know, you're prioritizing recovery and everything like that. And um, when it comes to like the hard workouts and stuff like that, give it your all and like try to do your best to enjoy that because <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's a unique opportunity. Not many people get an opportunity to like really give their all and work super hard at something they love. So, you know, if you are able to do that, then um, yeah, just embrace that. Yeah, man, that's a really good piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. No, no uh -huh. problem. Oh, well, Aaron, thank you again so much for hopping on the podcast. It's great to catch up with you. Um, like I said, it's been a pleasure watching you this season and seeing you really kind of, I don't want to say breakthrough because you've had breakthroughs before, but really just have a phenomenal season. And we're looking forward to seeing the results from the Canadian 5K championships. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Great catching up again. Yeah. <laughs>